Welcome to Mangata Podcast, a podcast by the wondering for the wondering. Hi, I'm Yunis. Jesse, Rachel, and Lihui. And today we'll be exploring about how we feel about death. Are we really ready for it? But don't worry, it's not going to be too morbid, I hope. <laughs> So the thing is, we've been battling with this pandemic for close to two years now, right? It's it's almost the end of the year. And although as much as I hope no one among us has lost a loved one to the virus, I'm pretty sure we've either heard of someone in our circle of friends and family that shared someone in their uh, family or their friends have passed away because of the virus or maybe also from a different kind of uh, condition. Um I'm pretty sure it hasn't been easy for a lot of people. And personally, we've deal uh personally for me, we've also had to deal with a death in the family, but it wasn't really because of the uh with COVID. Uh, but it was still something shocking. And it for me actually it was the first time that I've ever experienced someone dying in the family. So at that at that point, um, it kind of got me thinking about some questions about death and dying. I'm sorry if it, it really is becoming a bit morbid or too serious. But I know, I mean, they say that death is actually inevitable and it's only a matter of when and not really if, right? So I guess just to keep this conversation going about like how we are prepared or what we really think about death, have you ever really had this like kind of like near death experience or maybe something that you kind of like got shocked that you almost died? Like you probably have like a mini heart attack of your own. I, I haven't had exactly near death experiences, but I think I have had situations. I've been in situations where, um, like you said, right, I had like that mini heart attack feeling. And it was when I was in this like small town on the outskirts of Taipei. Uh, I was on a school trip. We were going to this outskirt-ish restaurant in the middle of nowhere. And there were a lot of stray, like, so in, in Taipei, I, I'm not sure, like, I think it's a countryside thing. There are a lot of stray dogs outside. So I came out of the restaurant. I, I asked the restaurant owner, hey, where's the toilet? And the restaurant owner pointed, like, like to the right. So for some dumb reason, I thought he meant the, re- the toilet was outside of the restaurant. So I walked out of the restaurant and I saw that there was, like, an outhouse-type outdoor toilet, but it was surrounded by maybe 20-something stray dogs like huge massive dogs and they look like they're ready to pounce on you and for whatever reason I decided that it was totally all right to walk in the middle of this pack of dogs to get to that place and halfway through they started thinking I was a sub- some form of threat so one of them started barking at me then I was like keep it cool keep it cool nothing's gonna happen they're not gonna chase after me and then one of them came so close to me that I freaked out and I started running so the whole pack of dogs started running after me and I had to run at the fastest freaking speed of my life back to the main restaurant, like I ran past through the door and into the restaurant. So obviously the dogs, thank God, they didn't follow me into the restaurant. But in that split second, I was like, is this how I die? Do I die like getting eaten by a pack of stray dogs in Taipei? Uh, what a yeah. scary way to die. Yeah, it was, oh my God, I swear. I have, like, I'm not a very fast runner. Like, I don't have a lot of fast twitch muscles. And back then I was not fit, okay? So in that moment, I was like, it's either I die of a heart attack or I die from these dogs. One of the two things. But I mean, I didn't die last. So I think that was like my only really near death experience. <laughs> and it's like funny. a ridiculous story. Yeah. 
What about you, just you, Rachel? I have a story actually that's that's pretty similar, but the not similar in that aspect. But like, I also asked the question like, "Is this how I'm gonna die?" <laughs> kind of thing. To be honest, um, uh, I think I got electrocuted like twice when I was little. <laughs> I was looking at Uni's face. I was like, "Yeah, but," <laughs> and um, like I definitely had a fever, like once or twice but um the temperature was around like 40 celsius but the funny thing is i only thought of those events when unis was like listing examples i didn't think them as a big deal mostly because after um those events happened i actually went to my parents right and my parents were just like yeah so like but you're here you're fine so (laughs) you're not dying at all I think it was my parents attitude like uh they were making what had happened to me like it was like not a big deal so that I I didn't think that those events were life threatening even though the fact (laughs) the fact of those events were actually life threatening but there was actually one time that I I wouldn't say I thought I was gonna die, but it's mostly like I realized how insignificant I was. Um, I was like diving, um, and it was around like fifty meters below water, and I, well, suggested by the instructor, I was not supposed to look up while I was deep down in the water. But well, it's like when someone tells you not to do something, you just do it, right? So I looked up and I was. <laughs> floaty um floating on top of the water and it's like so far away and so small and I'm just like so deep down in water and like everything around me is like so dark I wouldn't say I thought I was gonna die but at that moment was just like wow like I'm just like one mere individual in amongst this nature and that was the moment I started to respect nature a lot more than I used to but um Probably I was going to say that's the only event I felt how insignificant my life was. I mean, it's interesting that it kind of like put you into perspective about how you want want to live your life, I guess, or like appreciate life more. What about Rachel? Do you have any stories? It's it's becoming a little bit interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I've lived like such a dramatic life after all. (laughs) Twice. Like, I don't think I've had near-death experience, but I definitely had like family members that, that passed on or like were close to where their lives were, were held by a threat. So I think that was my closest experience with death, but not personal. I think I'll share on those a bit later. Eunice, you can go ahead first. Mm, yeah, so just, just kind of like going back to like Lee, like Lee Hui's um, topic about how she asked the question of like, is this how I'm going to die? I thought that we were actually going to uh, be hit by a ballistic missile because we got a message. Um, when I remember it, I remember I went to Hawaii at some point, right? And um, early morning, we just woke up and we got this like big buzz in the phone that we were texted that, oh, incoming ballistic missile to Hawaii. This is not a drill in all caps. So I was like panicking. I was like, shit, am I going to die? <laughs> is this how we're going to die? Is this for real? But turns out it was a hoax. So I was, I was, um, it was okay. I'm, ser- I'm still here. We didn't die. <laughs> but for the 
it was a pretty long um it was a pretty long announcement like it took a long time before they actually announced that it was actually a wrong message that it was just a test message that came out to almost everyone in Hawaii and if you actually google or look at the news there was um there was that incident it was in 2018 um that it happened and it was like extremely chaotic for Hawaii at that point but personally I thought that I was like shit Am I seriously gonna die here in Hawaii when I'm supposed to be enjoying this vacation? <laughs> right? It's it's so weird. Um, but yeah, I was like panicking. But it's a good thing that I had I had like friends with them there to tell me that oh no, wait, calm down, it's fine, it's gonna be fine. I'm pretty sure we're not gonna die. <laughs> I love both the examples that Eunice and uh, Jesse brought up, right? Because Jesse talked about how she felt so insignificant. Um, while she was diving and Eunice you're talking about uh, a missile uh, so it just it reminded me of this time I was in New Zealand and an earthquake actually happened when I was there so the earthquake struck Christchurch but I was a few hundred kilometers away from Christchurch uh, I was in this small town called Akaroa but we could still feel the tremors in the ground and it just made me think that yeah like we truly are so insignificant if you know, one day a tsunami hits Philippines, which is very likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Singapore is very safe. Like, Rachel and I are really lucky. Nothing really happens here. But, you know, a typhoon can hit, uh, hit Hong Kong anytime. There, there's been a lot of, there's a, there's been a lot of times, I think, throughout my entire life that I, I would actually think about, like, oh my gosh. Um, because, I've been, because I've encountered so many young people actually dying. Um, there was a time when we were in, when I was in high school, and we actually like held mass because I went to a Catholic um, high school. Uh, we actually held mass for um, some of the students or like an entire family that was actually affected by a type by a tsunami. I forgot where it was. I cannot remember, but it was it was a tsunami somewhere in either in Southeast Asia. Oh, was it a two thousand four? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the the very massive one that hit Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was probably that one. So that was like a whole school thing. It was it was really sad. It was um it was extremely uncomfortable for someone who was what I was still I think in two thousand four. I was in sixth grade, right? I was in sixth grade. I even had like a classmate pass away when I was in first grade as well. Oh. Right. So um, it, it's been like it's been interesting in a way that we we get into this kind of like perspective or at least I guess most people would more or less be exposed to the idea of that pretty early on. Um, and I'm pretty sure like we probably asked ourselves at some point, right? Are you afraid to die? Like, do you think you'd be afraid to die? Because personally, I feel like I am, even though I would I would sometimes say that I know death will come eventually, but I feel like I'm still, at this point in time when we're recording this, I would say I still am afraid of dying just because I feel like there's so much more things that I could have, like I would want to do. Um, But yeah, what about you guys? Actually, the idea uh, or say the the attitude or perspective I have toward the death had have definitely changed over the time. Like when I was little, the first death that I ever encountered was actually the uh, death of my grandparents. So I guess when I was little, I had this idea that death will not happen 
until you're like say seventy or eighty, like natural death. I'm going older, and you know the given the the uh, arise of like hustle culture, nine nine six culture, like overworking, more and more people around me, um, like my age, um, actually. Die because of like say heart attack or like health issues, and did I realize、um, that there's no such thing as defined order of present precedence of life events? Like you don't necessarily、um, die until you get married or have kids or like get retired. Like death can happen to you、um, anytime. So. It kind of changed, and my idea of death have definitely turned from like respect and to、um, but more leaning towards like afraid. The afraid part is not necessarily like oh, like I'm dying, but more、um, more about like if I die, what、um, what effect I will bring, or、uh, how will my parents or The loved ones feel about my death. It's the consequence of my death will bring to the loved ones around me that I'm scared of, and as well as I, I sincerely hope I will only die after like by natural death, sincerely because I'm really terrified of the pain. That's true. <laughs> like, But just, just see when you said that your 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 concern is more about the impact of your death on the people around you. So are you more afraid of them being? Scared and like them grieving over your death. I share the same sentiment as Jessie. Also, I think I'm like, for me, I think I'm more afraid of my family members like dying. So like I've had family who had quite a few health scares, and like it's so scary to see them getting all frail and like vulnerable. And then all I could do was just feel very helpless. Like there's nothing really much that I can do for them. So like at that point of time, like. I didn't know what to do, and then I just prayed, and I just I was I was I felt like I was even willing to like give up my life for them. I would I I said like、mm-hmm. take a few years of my life, please let them live longer、mm-hmm. if they can. Oh, I did the same thing too. Yeah, yeah. It's like at that point, like you felt like there's really nothing you can do.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's that kind of feeling that that makes dying so scary. But then at the same time, there was one point in my life where I felt. I was so happy. I was so contented. I felt like I had everything. I felt like I was ready to die. I was ready to die happy, and I, I felt like I've accomplished everything that I wanted. But then looking back, I felt like I was so foolish. Like I mean, at that point, I was happy. But then again, there's so much more I can do, right? Hmm. Exactly. I think one of my favorite quotes is um by Haruki Murakami. Uh, he wrote that death is not the opposite of life, but a part of it. So I think my school of thought is a little bit. It's quite different from you guys, right? And I think、uh, it's quite timely that Eunice,、um, the backdrop for the episode was also COVID. So because I have my grandmother who's eighty six living with us at home, and she's not vaccinated,、uh, and everyone else in the family is vaccinated. So to us, it doesn't really matter because the Singapore government has basically told us that every one of us will at some point in time encounter COVID and get COVID. So to me, my brother, my family, my parents, it's not a big deal because we're young, healthy, and we're all vaccinated. But the concern is more of like if we get COVID and we bring it back home to our grandmother who is not vaccinated, she's not protected, then there's the risk of her losing her life、uh, as a result of our actions, right? So 
you know, I'm going to sound like a, a cold-hearted bitch saying this, but sometimes <laughs> I feel like, you know, when you're at the end of your life, you know, you're like 90 plus, when you know that you've lived everything there is to do, it's your time to go, then it's your time to go, right? So uh, I think when we were seeing a huge wave of people passing away in, of COVID in Singapore, uh, I actually told my mom, my, my, okay, one of the, the headlines wrote, uh, women aged 102 dies of COVID. But I told my friend, I was like, come on, it's her time. She's 100 years old. So that's my perspective to, to life and death, right? Like after, so the way I see it is that once I've lived everything I wanted to do in my life, you know, I, I should be okay with leaving. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so morbid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I have I, I don't have anything against people who are who are old and like I, I actually salute them for being able to reach like a hundred, but I would actually feel more sad about someone young and someone nice dying so early compared to someone who's super like who's actually lived a long life and actually just passing away, even be it by um sickness or natural deaths or or other things um it's much more sad to actually see someone young die rather than Mm. someone old um so no offense if we're offending anyone who is listening to this podcast um but yeah I think it's 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 what it's really hard to to think about those kinds of things and it's also it could also be offensive if we actually just say that out loud but you're right. I mean, if you've lived your life to a certain extent, um, what more can you get, right? What more can you actually get out of your life if you're already probably bedridden? I think it's it's much more, it's much better to actually just let yourself go or just pray maybe that God or some kind of higher being will already take you to put you to rest. Right? rather than to actually prolong your suffering if you're actually suffering in this life rather than so yeah <laughs> it got a bit got a bit serious <laughs> too fast <laughs> I'm, pro, I'm very pro euthanasia by the way oh I've, I've heard of that like there there I've, I've actually had like conversations with some people about that like my I think my dad's also pretty much the same thing like if he he says like if he can't walk if he can't um like if he's totally bedridden and he's sick and um he he basically will sign a dnr if he passes so he he Mm -hmm. doesn't want to prolong his life like if i can't walk why would i try to continue right so i'm I'm pretty much in that same boat like if i mean i wouldn't go as far as euthanasia if if it's only if it's totally necessary but yeah i would probably also sign a dnr Mm-hmm. I actually look out for Indonesia uh, because, well, like I said, I'm just terrified of the pain. <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're tired. You're scared of the color of death, man. There's only one, is right? There's only one state in the U.S. that's like pro. I think you can also do it in Europe. Yeah, I think yeah, there's like one or two countries in Europe yeah, that yeah, they, that they let you do it. Yeah, like, I, it, it probably wouldn't be legal here in the Philippines. Definitely not Singapore. We're, we're too we're too we're too pro life here because of I the think, whole religion thing. No, I, I actually think it's really because like age for Asians here, it's they they focus more on the sense of this like family, 
that the idea of family so that's like say they're always focused on like when you're old you are looking forward to see the younger generation to have a much younger generation like you're always looking forward to seeing your grandkids like um like they 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 see um like witnessing or spending time with their grandparents or like with your family as like um a, a, a way or a way to enjoy happiness um so i guess that's why like um euthanasia is like less common in asia because they want everyone to just like witness long history of yeah, makes sense since we're, we're all kind of like scared or i mean i guess we're all accepting or a little bit afraid of the pain and, and all of like all of that thing. I'm terrified. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> terrified of the pain. But do you think that we could ever really prepare for the for death, right? Like, for example, if you were actually to be diagnosed with something terminal, right? I, I guess we're all kind of like towards the idea of like, would you actually try to prolong your life? Let's say if it was now, right? If it was sometime you guys are all have to talk with the wood man <laughs> like i'm right? knocking on the wood all oh, right right yeah well, maybe, the wood. <laughs> not wood yeah that's wood. <laughs> i really hope like it's a good thing it's a good thing my table is like pure wood man <laughs> it's pure wood mine's bamboo that's that wood <laughs> yeah that's the wood yeah i mean um okay fine sorry <laughs> do you think you can prepare for death uh personally uh there was a time like i was i think it was wait well it was it was first year of university um i was actually diagnosed with like um lumps on my breast but like it's it's not it's not something serious like it's not cancer it's not anything i'm I'm fine (laughs) everything's been and it's like the doctors even told me that it's it's pretty normal it's just mostly hormones like an imbalance with hormones that's why it's happening um, and it's much more common that we think now. But there was a time that when they when they initially mentioned that, and we have a history of breast cancer in the family, that kind of scared me a little bit. And I was like, huh, I wonder what will happen, right, if I was actually diagnosed with that same kind of breast cancer um, later. Because, I mean, cancer does run in the family. So personally, if if I were to ask, I would, it depends, right? If it was at the current state that I am now, like I, I still don't have my own family. Um, and I I'm still I mean I'm I'm starting my 30s, so it's 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 a bit still too early for me. I feel like I would actually choose to prolong my life if I could, right? If it wasn't still as bad. Um, but I probably wouldn't choose to be hospitalized for like a long time. And if that were if that were the situation, I would just probably just choose to just enjoy and live my life until, you know, the end, right? Something like that. Because I really would probably just want to check off things from um, things I want to do before I actually kick the bucket. Well, I guess I'm like a little bit simple-minded or say um, uh, I'm like super positive looking. Like for some reason, um, I always have this positive looking um in my life so i feel like no matter what happens i will have the capability or ability to overcome that as young people right we often think that we are invincible we we often think that nothing bad can really happen to us 
uh, and we don't really think about, like death isn't something that we actively think about to prepare for. Um, and if I, so, so I often tell my friends, or I always, always tell my parents, right, why live till a, a ripe old age when you're not mobile or healthy, when you're like 80 or 90? Right? If, I'm, if my health is going to start declining at 75, I want to die at 75. I don't want to live past that. What's the point of it? So mm. in that sense, maybe I'm preparing for death, like, because I know if at some point my body is declining, then yeah, I would happily say, I would happily be like, yeah, I, I would choose to die at this point. Uh, that's my way of preparing for death in some sense. I don't know if that made any sense. <laughs> I think personally, um, I'm just, I, I understand what you mean, but I'm a bit different. So like, I feel like, okay, we are young, we should treasure our life, but like we shouldn't leave while thinking of like when we'll die or like prepare mm. for death in a sense. Because like, even if you are dying, you are, until you actually die, you are still living, right? And also like, mm, to prepare for death, or like, when you have a, maybe when you have a terminal illness, or like, you're having a lot, you're in a lot of pain, or like, you're immobile, but I feel like as long as your mind is alive, and like, you have that spirit or like, um, mind to continue living, you feel like there's something that you still need to fulfill, then I think there's, there's reason to leave. And I think everyone attributes like different kind of meaning to why they leave. So like mm-hmm. even if I can't walk, I think I would want to leave. But like if I'm being fed through a tube or like my mind, I can't really think of like why I'm leaving anymore. Then, then I think that's when I feel like euthanasia might be the way. And like to prepare for death, actually like I think a while back I was reading like two books. I think you might have heard of When Breath Becomes Air. Um, in Breath Turns to Air, um, it's a story about this neurologist. When Breath Becomes Air, the first one. So he's a, he's a neurologist at Stanford University. Um, he was diagnosed with lung cancer. So he was a brilliant young man in his mid-30s. But then he was suddenly, he felt like a, a sharp pain in his back, but he was so busy working as a doctor, serving others, that he kind of just like... Um, swiped it off thinking that it's just because he's tired but then it struck him that actually it's not and like he he has terminal cancer and just before he died he decided with his wife that that they're going to have a child because they haven't had a child and it's a way of continuing his life in another form perhaps a gift to his wife and I think in his book like he he showed about, it's his story about, his personal story about how he dealt with his last days, how he dealt with um, his family. And I think he dealt with it in a very graceful manner. And I think towards the last few days of his life, he was fully alive. And I think that's, that's what's more meaningful than trying to prepare for a, death, uh, a day where you are, you are dying. Because I think it's not possible until like, you're really you faced with think- it. Yeah, uh, until you really face it. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things when it, when it comes to death. And I, it depends, right, on like how people actually think about it um, and how people process it. I like how Rachel brought about the book we're in. And I was kind of like trying to lead into it as well that we can't, even though we're talking about it right now, that these are all like what ifs, like what would happen. I feel like at that point in time when we would actually experience that specific moment of feeling that we are already about to die or we are dying, that's the only time that we can actually answer these questions truthfully. 
Yeah. And and it's really just I feel like it's a nice way to reflect, right? Um, it's a way to ask us, are we actually living our lives to yeah. the fullest? <laughs> now that I think of it, um, I cannot think of one activity or like a one place that I will regret not doing or not visiting. It's actually the idea of uh, not telling, say like uh, uh, telling my parents uh, or the loved ones um, that I love them enough. Uh, Like I had this idea repetitively, like um, uh, starting from like a few years back, I was like, I have to tell them or I have to start telling them um, like I love them uh, more often. But I don't know, it's really hard. I do, because I'm the kind of person who would rather more focus on the action than the words but mm. I do realize like wor- like words they have this like verbal powers and it delivers this magic power to the recipients of the word like um, whoever the words is being delivered to so I'm still practicing like um, I'm trying my best to tell my parents that I love them but it's I don't know like once you start practicing you just be like oh shit it's really hard to say like the closer you are with the other party it's getting harder to actually tell them and say the words like I love you especially in Chinese I don't know why yeah it's an Asian thing I was gonna say it's an Asian thing it's 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 something it's something that we we don't really experience a lot because like I don't think our like in our entire history of culture it's Asian something. love language. Yeah, the Asian love language is not something that you actively tell your your mm. your family that you love them. So yeah, it's a it's a nice message. I, it's it's actually interesting that you brought that up. Like it's not really about the things that you didn't or didn't do. It's more about like whether or not you were able to say how much how much you cared about a person. And I feel like not actually saying that would actually make you regret more, right? Yeah, I feel like that's something. Yeah. I think it's not just about whether like what happens when you die, but like what happens to the other people that are still living. Because mm. like life is for the living, right? Like mm. even if you have passed on, there are other people that maybe when you're old and like frail, but like you feel like giving up. But like there are other people around you that, that still love you and like really, really have that hope that you'll live on. Mm. Like I think when you pass, it's the, the living that has to deal with it. Have you guys ever watched movies where it's um about the protagonist dying, but then the protagonist comes back? Um, yes. as not 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 as a ghost, but the protagonist lingers around to see what other people do when the when he or she is mm. dead. So hey. I'm always fascinated about me being the protagonist, and you know when I die, what I want to stick around to see. Yeah, yeah what happens at my funeral? Who's yeah, crying for me? You know, like, <laughs> I want to know who's <laughs> crying for me. Who really loved me when I was alive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like those kind of thoughts that I have. Oh. Yeah, I've I've thought about that as well. It, it it would be interesting if that actually happens, but I feel like that's not gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> like we, we so Wait, you you guys don't believe in it? I believe. I think it happens that you can actually see what will happen. Yeah, I hope it's real. I think it's real because I've read um uh, one. Okay, fine. I <laughs> I'm not really sure how scientific that yeah. article was, but I think it, it actually interviewed some people. Um, some people um, who ha- literally had a, like um, literal death experience, like like they were at a moment like being diagnosed like 
death, but for some magical reason, they, they came back alive. And um, the, during the interview, or said after like interviews, the interview, we actually said like, they actually felt themselves being detached from their own body. And they actually like traveled around in the room and they were able to see like everyone's face, but they were just not uh, being able to communicate with um, the, yeah. the, the people in the room, but they can still see them. So I still believe in it. And also like, because mm-hmm. um, I keep dreaming of my grandma visiting me like after her past, so I'm super- <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather, like, I'd the soul. Mm. I'd rather believe that, like, um, because I I want to, I want my grandparents to see me. <laughs> I mean, that it's it's nice to think about that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know how how things are with like when after you die. I mean, I believe that there is an afterlife at least. Um, I just don't know how it's gonna go about, right? So, <laughs> I guess it's been an interesting kind of like round discussion um maybe to kind of like wrap up everything um i i know i'm I'm guessing everyone has like a bucket list right if there is like if you were to actually just have just one thing one last thing that you want to do before you actually pass right what would you actually do like you you're already dying you're already dying right (laughs) (laughs) i I probably will tell like i said like i'll definitely tell my parents and the ones that I love um like my how, how much I love them and how much I appreciated them um yeah no I, I, I have been the same so uh, like telling the people that that I love that I love them and maybe preparing them for my death <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna play out right because like if I'm already in the act of dying like I am actually dying how do I have the strength <laughs> No, 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 no. But you could just be like, <laughs> can you not do that? No, there's an analyzing like the loopholes. Okay, okay. Let me erase that part. Let me erase that part. Okay, so maybe to, to kind of like wrap up the entire thing, right? Mm. It, it's more of like an idea of a bucket list, right? Wherein if you had just like one last thing, mm. you still have enough energy to actually do one okay. last thing before you actually go. Right before mm. you actually go, what would you actually mm. want to do? It's much more I supposed would... to be to be a lighter ending, not a <laughs> okay, solid. Okay. I I know what I'll do. Okay, I will um make sure that all my money, all my assets, are allocated to someone properly. So like give give it to my parents or my brother or something like so that it's well taken care of. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'm a very practical person. Super, super practical. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? You're you're still gonna stick to just saying okay. <laughs> now I think of it. <laughs> Okay, why? <laughs> if you still had the energy. Oh, this is the password to my bank account, just so <laughs> you know. <laughs> and these are the apps that I usually use to make money. <laughs> to make money? <laughs> I think you can tell us that now. <laughs> tell us all. Just kidding. By my face ID. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess we're, we're all about the practicality of things. For me, I feel like I would actually want to... Um, other than, of course, settling all of the practical matters, right? Just leaving maybe a last will and testament, things like that. Uh, making sure that all of the assets are well taken care of. My fountain pens actually have someone to <laughs> go to. <laughs> Who will be the ideal person to pass your fountain pens to? 
I don't know. I mean, I'm, we're hoping. So we've talked about this in, in some of the previous True. like fountain pen community. Like we hope that we could actually like pass on the, the fountain pens to our kids. Wait, later hold on. up. Wait, you talk about this in your fountain pen community? I think there was a time, right? Like we, we were hoping that, I think, I, I forgot who mentioned it, but like we're hoping that people would actually like pass down the uh, pass down their uh, our pens to our kids in the future or something like that. Because we... There was there was like a previous interview of like people actually um, getting fountain pens from their grandparents, uh, from like really old people, like older generation, and and it's kind of like it has some history to it, right? So there's that, right? It's it's more of like the sentimental value tied to the pens rather than just them being physical pens. I will I know that I will not give them to you guys because you probably won't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but kidding aside, huh? I don't mind. I might want the notebook with all like the pretty colors. <laughs> okay, I'll take I'll take those notes now. <laughs> but yeah, like I think for me, like if assuming assuming like I'm perfectly healthy, but I know like I have a time clock and like I have one month left, then I probably go and travel. But before I travel, I'll buy like a big life insurance. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you can buy a life insurance if you're already diagnosed with something no 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 not like if you're diagnosed but like assuming you have a time clock and uh, you know that you have like this amount of time left in your time clock uh, I think you can still buy yeah you can as in no uh, if you have terminal know, yeah. illness have, then nobody will sell no, it to no, you well, nobody's gonna sell it to you yeah, yeah. But for like, me, have you watched this movie like in time? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna yeah, say yeah. That, that time clock. Then you yeah, the, the the one that you buy your things yeah. with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. Currency is money. Time is money. Time is money. Yeah, time is money. Time is money. Yeah. yeah, for me, I think other than like setting all of those, <laughs> other than settling all of the practical matters, right? I would also probably want to be able to actually spend time with everyone, right? To to actually, if they're not here like close to me here in the Philippines, I would actually try and like still visit them, hang out with them, go around and meet them, everyone, before I actually pass away. Something like that. Because I I think I value the the friendships a lot. So I feel like since we lose touch of the people that we we've met and like we're probably close to it, even though we're far apart, I think it's 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 about trying to catch up and like seeing them one last time because it's different to just, just kind of like see you guys here in the min- mini zoom screen mm-hmm. but then at the same time I feel like if if I were to actually die soon I would actually just take flights to wherever use up all probably not all of my savings I will probably save up a little bit for that travel fund to see people and like spend time with everyone before I actually go yeah and also say I love you to them <laughs> Right to you guys. Oh, so sweet. Love you too. Love I love you too. <laughs> Libby's just smiling now. I can't. I I can't say those three words. It's just not me. I'm too cool. Because I, I love, love you. you. I've never you said it to anyone. You have to address the the object. Oh, okay. oh. <laughs> love you, that girls. No. <laughs> <laughs> if anyway. you keep saying it, then it becomes easier. It just oh, makes yeah. me feel weird. Oh. <laughs> Then just say it to yourself. Yes. I love you, Dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I hope that episode wasn't too morbid to you. Although I think we kind of got 
like a bit of up and ups and downs in this entire episode. Um, but we hope you enjoyed us always. You can also catch us on Instagram at mangata.podcast. We release a new episode every other week on Sundays, although we did skip one week this week. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's late. We forgot to tell anyone, but it's okay. Uh, if you have any feedback, comments, or insights about today's episode or our podcast or about death, if you would like to share them to us as well, uh, make sure to um, maybe comment on Instagram. And if you like our podcast, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And if you would like to hear more about our ramblings, about life, things, deaths, happiness, things like that, love, <laughs> follow us and share this podcast to your friends or something. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.